In discussion, unpack sustainability in the textile industry, following the cotton supply chain through Gujarat and Maharashtra in India, across the world to China. Discussing issues in the field with Indian farmers, local artisans and international fashion houses, from fibre to fabric to fashion. I've always said this, that I'm fortunate to be born in a country like India because it's the land of inspiration to the world. So how can it not be a land of inspiration to a designer who's born brought up here? I mean, every state of ours, you've just been to Gujarat, Every state is so beautiful. Every state has its own craft, its own colors, its own textures. So India is just this amazing, amazing country with so much that it offers. You can never ever be short of inspiration. I've already said I need more than one lifetime to, to, to convert into design everything that India throws at you. That is Anita Dongre, Indian fashion designer, celebrating the great diversity of Indian craft. Over four million Indian families work in textiles, though crafts, weaves and patterns differ enormously between communities. Kutch in Gujarat is craft central. Though especially renowned for its embroidery, artisanship in the region encompasses a diverse range of styles and influences. So, time by time, so many communities will come here and they stay here and they, they live like a kachi. They become kachi, like you are uh, English or American, this way they are like kachi nowadays and they have different crafts with them. So there is not only embroidery, but so many crafts here, like leather, lacquer, pottery, metal, wood carving, stone carving, uh, tie-dye, block printing, only one area. It's very big area, Asia's second largest uh, district. Kutch is very unique, you, have, you need seven days. Here is so many communities, uh, I think uh, 40, 50 communities. Yeah. And being close to the Pakistan border, do you get lots of influences from like Pakistani cultures coming down in terms of how that represents in the artwork? Actually what happened, that this is not Pakistan and Hindustan, mm -hmm. India and Pakistan. It's a just partition, otherwise it's a common thing. Yeah. So their craft are totally common, like block printing, some embroidery work, all are common. But some we explored the wealth of Kutch textiles at the local Living, Learning and Design Centre and Calico Museum. One of our guides, a slender, elderly woman with a no-nonsense booming tone, declared, in India, we always paint words. She was referring to fad, long textile scrolls depicting the stories of local heroes and deities, a sort of precursor to the comic strip. As a storyteller would travel with the fad, recounting tales, our guide too brought the stories of Indian craft to life. We were in awe of the striking colors and images we encountered, such as embroidered cows, made using different shades of hand-dyed silk to replicate brushed cowskin. In the UK, that would just be pretty plain coloured. So for instance, this shawl, which is used to cover an ox, if you think of our equivalent saddle, I suppose, which is normally just, just a plain leather, leather. whereas this is a, a bright image that in itself is, you know, depicting a story. It's so much care that's gone yeah. into just the small things that we really yeah. just apply. Beige I, or brown. Yeah, it's, I guess it's about bringing light and colour and, and that into every aspect of your life. During our time in Kutch, we met several artisans, or karagas, continuing and reviving traditional textile crafts. The Kamo community includes 300 hand spinners, working with local desi or kala cottons, wools and even plastics to weave fabrics. 
Hemley explains how using Carla cotton enables weavers to sustain the craft tradition. So we have stitching unit, uh, sorry, in-house weaving loom for Kala organic cotton, for hand-spun, hand-woven wool, as well as for, for plastic. So this is the Kala cotton, which is, uh, Kala is the name of cotton and which only grow in Kutch. And so from basic, uh, basic, finish, uh, basic growing to finishing, you find every process in organic and hand-made hand hand uh, hand way. Yeah, and this is one of our other revival craft, that is uh, Desi wool. Desi means local wool. So we collect uh, uh, wool from local areas. We do hand-spinning, uh, hand which I show you there. Just reading, there's a really interesting pack about mashu weaving. It's forbidden to wear animal product on the skin. And the way that they've got around that and incorporated silk is in developing a style of weaving where they have cotton on one side and silk on the oh, other. So only the cotton touches the skin. It's like interesting how you can like adopt that, that sort of ethical standpoint, but then just yeah. by not putting it next to your skin, that makes it exactly. more acceptable. Similarly, artisans in Ajakpur and Bujari use a range of natural dyes, including indigo, to treat their fabrics. Though native to India, the use of indigo is not strictly traditional to kutch textiles, perhaps an example of how this craft has adapted to contemporary demands. Here's Shamji Vanka from the kutch weaving and dyeing community in Bujari, talking through the natural dyeing process. Maybe I want the maroon lark. That time I use the gooseberry, or I use the natural fixer for the red colour, that time I use the tamarind. Maybe I want the blackish. That time I use the tamarind with the gooseberry. So come out the like more blackish maroon. So depend the how how different for the modern. So each colors property naturally is a different one. So sometimes I use the cow dung. Sometimes I use the cow urine. Smell the water, sometimes taste the water and thinking how add more maybe indigo, like this indigo where last two weeks little bit sick. So I waiting for the check the every day. Now you see first like green and after coming oxidized so come out to blue. That's right, animal dung is used as a mordant a fixative to help dye stick to the fabric. Yet the decision to use natural dyes is more than an attempt to sustain traditional methods. To find out more about the differences between natural and synthetic dyes, listen to our episode on environmental sustainability. To our initial surprise, not a single artisan was concerned about their designs being copied or plagiarised. Whether they believe their skills to be the product of God-gifted talent or community-based education, the Kutch craftspeople agree that their craft is something innate, to be shared for the benefit of all. There was no mine, no, only ever ours. Like uh, the lion is uh, hunting some, he are eating well, and then he and, uh, and dog are eating up <laughs> like this. Understand? Yes. <laughs> So I think they are provide job and provide uh, employment and uh, they are happy and they are eating well, they are learning well, then why we have problem? No? That's Dr. Ismail Baikatri. He's artisan royalty in Kutch and across the world. He's even received an honorary degree from Lester de Montfort for his work. He leads the community of Ajrak block printers 
creating fabrics with patterns inspired by natural surroundings, such as kakar or clouds, and karak or date palm. Like Dr. Katri, all of the artisans emphasize that craft is community-based, whether inspired by the community or produced in and for it. Actually, this craft sector and the practicing craft, it's actually a family uh, kind of a gathering, or you can say it's a family uh, effort. If, if I'm alone, then I'm not doing much because I'm alone. If I have some hand like my brother or my sister, then it's, I can do more. So if you have a bigger family, that means you have a good bigger business and you can do a lot. So they were not doing this crap, but me and my brother, we start again in our family. Actually, we started as a pocket money <laughs> because my father was in bank and we don't have a, like a family business that we can just go and earn some money. So we just start learning the time part. So we were like time for other people and getting some money. But uh, it, it was like age of like I was 13 years, he was 17. So, but with that also we were doing a study. So my father has concern that you have to finish your study first. I have also worked with all family members. So I have six brothers all work together. So each brother has some different masteries. Uh, my three elder brothers that time settled the everything business. So we were tradition like age five and six. So that time all bobbin, subtle threads like toys. Yeah. So used uh, and then after eight and nine. So a little bit start more the plain weaving. You could see the three generations by the loom. They were just yeah, everyone playing was around. just that involved. Is it a range of ages, the, the artisans? Um, what's the average age or is it no. quite, um, lots well, So ages? formally what was they, they are they were doing traditionally. So the girl of five years, she start doing that thing. But nowadays, when they were not before that, they were no, not earning the income. So new generation was not interested in that. So now the starting age of doing embroidery starts from 14 to 15 years, and still 60, 70 years they do this thing until the eye stops <laughs> to see. <laughs> they do the work. Indeed, this understanding of community extends beyond the family to include neighboring groups and trades in Kutch, as Pratchank from the LLDC explains that uh, they cut the hair or wool and give to weaver. We were doing the weaving and the khatri, they are doing the tie-dye, block printing. So each community dependent on each other. So it is a very good system in the society. Nowadays, this system is going on, <laughs> means broken because it's become, the, uh, it's coming currency. And at the time, there is no currency, barter system. So if I need, something i need this recorder then i'll give my watch to you first uh, wrist watch to you and you give me the recorder <laughs> like this the system at the time so currency and money it's uh, i think spoiling the community means, uh, society. brothers abdullah and abdul jabal abandoned the experts in bouge they have shifted towards local cottons in recent years using one traditional craft to support another yeah. Yeah, so like I am seeing this last three years, uh, last three to four years, like more people are interested in color cotton, which is a locally grown uh, organic cotton. And we also like collaborate with the weaver of Kutch. 
So they weave the fabric. We the use silk, uh, silk and wool. <laughs> we use uh, only uh, silk and cotton as well. And we use only cotton, which is from uh, locally made in Kutch. But also we use uh, wool, uh, I mean the cotton from West Bengal, because they have very fine uh, weaving in uh, West Bengal. Bandaning, or tie-dye, is a 400-year-old craft. The process is more labour-intensive than printing, but results in a uniquely crinkly texture. We were in awe of the brothers' fabrics, which seemed to change colour when stretched out. So first we dyed uh, in a red, then we traced the design, then we tied, uh, then we removed the colour, the red. So wherever we tied, the red was resist, and then we dyed in blue. Yet traditional artisan crafts like bandini are under threat. Mass mechanisation and a demand for softer materials and bright colours has increased the use of cheaper synthetic fabrics and dyes and faster processes. Half of the 136 different Indian weaves are already extinct, and the number of weavers in Kutch alone has declined by two-thirds over the last 20 years. No, actually we started using natural dye. We actually, uh, in early 1960s, uh, the Bangni has introduced by the mills, and they use a synthetic fabric and printing. So the people, the community who used to wear the Bangni, they started using uh, a synthetic version of bandhani and it's a printed, not real bandhani as well. Ah, okay, that's much cheaper. That much cheaper and also long lasting. But they, whenever they use for the special occasion like marriages and all that, they use the bandhani, the real bandhani. Okay. So that's why that's also like the, the market market has changed because the local people were not using the bandhani. Then we have to find the new market in the like national level mm -hmm. and then in international level. So we started uh, again the, with the natural dye, and uh, so even today we are doing both chemical dye as well as I mean synthetic dye as well as natural dye. And do you see a kind of interest in the locals for preserving this craft, so they're maybe buying your products because they know it's a traditional craft that you're practicing? I think it's today's love. Um, the traditional craft is still they appreciating and they're trying to do that so it's it's getting more commercialized now so it's it's like uh, completely changed the way of uh, traditionally what was done but now it's like if you do a more fine work and more um, uh, i would say intricate work then it goes very high it's very expensive nowadays so they are they cannot afford some artisans are looking to overseas consumers and markets as a new outlet through which to revitalise their craft. For instance, as part of the Cotton Exchange project, Shamji spent three months in Lancashire. The weavers in Kamir and Bujodi even had links to Harriet Watt University in Edinburgh. Where's your biggest international market? What's the company that buys them? Um, uh, Victoria Albert Museum chair. <laughs> I work with the Victoria Albert. Mm. Also in the... One shop in uh, London for Maharani, the Fulham Road in London. Oh, nice. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and uh, one of the cloth house. Very good shop on the fabrics only. So does a lot go to the UK? Yeah, local to the UK. Do you like London? A few days. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever been to the UK to show your craft? 
Uh, I have been to London at the V&A. That was the, my first trip to abroad. Actually, uh, one of the lady, uh, she's she used to work in V&A, and she came to Kutch. She is mostly working with the uh, Ajrak range. We did one collection with a fashion designer in Mumbai. So they saw that, and she said, like, if you like, and we invite you come to the V&A for the demonstration, will you be? I said yes, of course. So I have like special uh, like memories for UK. I mean, so we have been like uh, invited in uh, different countries for the workshop for the demonstration. Uh, I recently was in uh, Amsterdam. See, like when you see the bandhi, it's you don't you don't get uh, how it's made. You just see that like it's something is there, but when you see them like how it's made, then they appreciate more. Yeah. Like it's like individual dot they just tied, and they just say can't imagine like how patient people are who's doing the tying work and yeah. doing so this craft. Yeah. We certainly recognized our privilege to see these crafts being practiced firsthand. Anyone would like oh. to try? As consumers in an international textile industry, we're often divorced from the people and processes behind our clothing. The loss of skill is not only a potential threat to Indian craft, but a universal generational problem, partially caused by technological advances. Mechanization and the resulting proliferation of cheap clothing has reduced our need and interest in learning these skills. The process of spinning, something that, you know, is spoken about so much. We spin like fibres into yarn, but to see someone do it by hand is just wonderful. Yeah, I think it's kind of in the same way as like the tie and dye. It's something I just, I couldn't get my head around until I actually saw yeah, someone you, doing it. It seems so inconceivable. Yet yeah, when you see it, it just makes so much sense, it's brilliant. Perhaps, instead of focusing on the negative effects, we should emphasise the opportunity that technology offers for craft revival. Whether through social media marketing or content creation, technology may provide an opportunity to reconnect consumers and producers internationally with these wonderful traditional processes. You can find out more about craft revival and the challenges of local empowerment in another episode. More than mere environmental friendliness, sustainability demands environmental, economic and cultural attention. An interdisciplinary, intercultural approach is essential to rethinking this industry. In our other episodes, you can learn more about the range of issues related to textile sustainability and the Focus India project.